Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. <clears throat> oh god, I'm not watching this game again. Yes, I know. It's terrible. Terrible. I'm telling you, it was a solid seven. Guys! Guys! What? What is it? Why are you out of breath? Guys! Guys! You know what the score to the Nick game is? <laughs> what a bozo. Guys! Guys! We have got ourselves a sponsor! <laughs> God. That's right, folks. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at Far West Press and Maverick indie filmmaker Kansas Bowling. We go way back with Miss Bowling, don't we, guys? Yes, sir. As the time of this recording, about one week. First up, for those who hate writing letters, there's pre-written letters for your convenience, pre-written by Kansas alongside her sister and frequent co-conspirator Parker Love Bowling. A series of increasingly specific and absurd letters that are meant to be cut out and sent to the people in your life. If you're like me, and I know I am, this book will tickle your funny bone and caress your aching knees. Next up is the companion book to Miss Bowling's upcoming film Cuddly Toys, the aptly named A Cuddly Toys Companion. All kidding aside, I was shown a screen of this film, and it is nothing short of a masterpiece. Oh, don't worry, folks. You're gonna hear a you're gonna hear a lot more about this film from me in the coming months. I was genuinely floored by it. This book follows the harrowing and often hilarious adventures Kansas and crew went on in making this soon-to-be classic. If you love film, filmmaking, and crazy behind-the-scenes stories, this book delivers all that in spades. And fret not, you needn't be familiar with Mrs. Bowling's Ovier. How do you say over? Am I saying over right? Over? Yeah. You don't need to be familiar with Miss Bowling's over <laughs> to enjoy this pair of books. You must simply be of unusually high intelligence and distractingly attractive, which is how I see our audience in my mind's eye. But now is your chance to prove it with action by heading on over to farwestpress.com and picking up pre-written <laughs> rubber baby buggy bumpers and picking up pre-written letters for your convenience and a cuddly toys companion. While you're out, check out kansas-bowling.com to see what goings-on she's up to lately. You'll be supporting our shows by supporting our new sponsors, Kansas Bowling and farwestpress.com. Thank you for listening, folks. I love you. I think I got it. Did you ever watch The Twilight Zone? Remember The Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down on yeah, basic glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned into plastic. You, you want to see something really scary? Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. Detective John Kimball. And Judd here. And Judd, baby. <laughs> Judd, we yeah. are here today to discuss Season 1, Episode 12, What You Need, with an air date of December 25th, Christmas time, 1959. I a small-time to... crook. Shut up! A small-time crook. 
Frank <laughs> plans to exploit an old street peddler who has an uncanny knack of selling people exactly what they will shortly need. <laughs> what do we think, clutch his belt for a second. <laughs> I ca- I cowered from that. Uh, <laughs> uh, shut up! I was led to believe in uh, Mr. Serling's. Uh, uh, end credits uh, appearance uh, in the previous episode. This was going to be much more Christmassy than it was, so I was a little disappointed off the, right from the jump. Because he's mm. like sitting there with packages and Christmas. He's like, "Hey, everybody, it's Christmas time at the old Twilight Zone." And it's yeah. To like, be honest, yeah. I didn't know it was Christmassy until I just re- read the the air date, mm. and I said, "Oh, I guess that's what he meant." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the episode starts. <laughs> With uh, Fred Renard. Renard! Check out the home decorating savings at Menard! Carries a chip on his soldier, a chip on the shoulder the size of the national debt. Mr. Fred Renard, who carries on his shoulder a chip the size of the national debt. This is a sour man. A friendless man, a lonely man, a grasping, compulsive, nervous man. This is a man who has lived 36 undistinguished, meaningless, pointless, failure-laden years, and who at this moment looks for an escape, any escape, any way, anything, anybody, to get out of the rut. And this little old man is just what Mr. Renard is waiting for. And was the hairiest <laughs> son bitch I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, some chest hair galore, that feller. Yeah. And then in walks uh, former mayor, New York Mayor Ed Koch, uh, <laughs> who's uh, playing a, a traveling salesman. And Judd's favorite. Judd loves yeah, it. Another one. Another I one. I said, ooh, Judd's going to pop for I this. was like, ooh, a street vendor. He's got little trinkets, elixirs, all kinds of fun stuff. A street vendor that sells what you need. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. This episode felt like a remix of two previous episodes. My beloved Edwin episode. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Yeah. It yeah. felt like a weird remix of both of those. And like, I was a little disappointed when it started. I'm like, another one of these, huh? We're already uh, repeating ourselves. And then it goes the other way. This starts a two episode cycle of, okay, check this out. It's Twilight Zone. But the main characters are complete and utter pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the old man comes in and he, oh, for, okay, first of all, I was annoyed at Fred Renard immediately when the way he talked to that bartender because i've worked in food service and i was just like wow he's kind of shitty how would you like to take a flying jump at the moon all kinds we get all kinds but then i that bartender no right right because a few minutes later the old man asks uh about the, the the baseball player he's like hey what's his deal he's like ah he used to be a good baseball player. Then he became a low-life piece of shit. Yeah, he just drinks shit on here. that fucking guy. I was guy. like, what the fuck? And, he, and the guy was like, what was the point? What was that for? I'm just drinking Right, it came here. out of fucking nowhere. It's like, that's a customer. You're in the fucking service industry, <laughs> yeah. sir. Yeah, Lefty was quite a pitcher in his time. He pitched for a couple of years for the Cubs. Then his arm went sour. Didn't it, Lefty? <laughs> I ought to know. I dropped a bundle on him on a Sunday couple of years ago. What do you do now? What does he do now? <laughs> he comes in here seven nights a week looking for a baseball career at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> Fuck that guy. 
All types around here. We get all types. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, buddy. Yeah, take this piece of shit right here. He used right. to be a, he used to have a future. And then his health else... took a turn, and now he's garbage. <laughs> Did anyone else think James Woods was sitting next to the entrance of the bar when <laughs> that guy looked fucking exactly like oh, him? Oh, it was creepy. <laughs> I said, whoa, what the fuck? He needs a piece of candy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Old man sees the baseball. Oh, sees a, a, a comely lass sitting by herself at the bar. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I got stuff you need. And she's about to buy a box. He's like talking about the matchbooks. He's like, I got matches and they're a great design. It's like, what? They're fucking matches. What do you mean, designs? Like, yeah, I, didn't, I was like, what was that? Those? Those? You crook. Shoelaces. <laughs> yeah, shoelaces. And uh, he's like, you need this cleaning fluid because you're a woman. And that's what we're meant to us. You know what? Because it doesn't that's benefit what... her at all. No. It's like, help the man in your life. Right. <laughs> right. I said, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so he gives her that and like what is this about why is he giving this 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 lady cleaning fluid she's just like oh, oh thanks i guess thanks i guess for this this is fun he gives that that so that guy that, got a bus ticket but I, I that guy gets a bus ticket small bottle of dawn <laughs> <laughs> i got some oxy clean for you right he's like he gets a phone call to get a job in scranton to like be a coach and uh, the old man gave him a ticket, the baseball player. And he's like, oh, Prior my jacket's filthy because I'm a drunk. <laughs> and uh, she's That's like, the bar- I can help I'm a you piece of that. shit like the bartender's told everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, he's filthy. He'll never get a job in that outfit. Told you so. While he, you know, so essentially he gave these people what they needed. Like these two seem like, you know, two nondescript items help them go to better places in their lives. Uh the, the the hairy wildebeest sitting at the end of the bar, Fred Renard, <laughs> notices this and is like, he knows there's like, you know, some kind of game here. He's like, what do I need, old man? And he knows there's some kind of play here. He's like, you can see things, can't you? So he's like, you need a pair of scissors. And then Mr. Renard gets on, which is luckily the slowest elevator that's <laughs> ever existed, <laughs> where his scarf, where he gets in a very easily solvable situation. Uh, yes. But he cannot take that scarf it. off. Very like eight different eight <laughs> different times. Uh, so it turns out his scarf gets stuck in the elevator, an elevator, and the pair of scissors that the old man gave him were able to help him cut himself free before he perished. Then the old man comes to his uh, apartment and sees Renard sitting in the corner in the dark, smoking like my aunt Gracie when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those are some memories, huh, Chris? Oh, you weren't there for those. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, every now and again, uh, my aunt uh, would come sleep over our house. Just not sleep. She would sit in pitch blackness. <laughs> she would sit over our house. She would sit uh, well into the night. And I was like, you know, I always had like a sleepwalking. I, I'm th- I get thirsty at night. You know, you're a little kid. You get thirsty at night. On my way to the fridge, I just see... A dimly lit face, just slightly <laughs> illuminated by the cherry of a cigarette, and I'm just like, oh, oh, it's just damn crazy. Hi, Frankie. I'm just like, oh, okay. Just, uh, she's just uh, sitting pitch blackness, smoking. That's great. And so anyway, <laughs> Mr. Renard's doing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm keeping it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, go for it. So Mr. Renard's not, like, telling a lie. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the other thing she would talk about a lot. <laughs> I'm not bringing that. <laughs> that up. we won't bring up. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, she just does just say she needed a really good plumber. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh so many in jokes so are happening here. Movie. This so is for big nobody and, so big the people in this room. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could probably snake out the drain, but that's the problem, young man. <laughs> We can't put this out. <laughs> we can't put this in. Can't use uh, any of this. <laughs> no one will have to talk to us again. <laughs> oh, so many people will be mad at us if I actually go any further than I already have. Uh, so, Mr. Renard uh, strong arms the old man. You can look into the future, you dummy. You poor dummy. You got a million dollar talent in you. You dribble it away on nickels and dimes. You want to know something? You got a partner now. I don't need a partner. And the old man's like, come on, son. This isn't the way. And he's just like, give me something, old man. So he gives him a leaky pen. And the mm. pen's able and... to... What's that? No, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, he kicked the man's, all, the man's belongings all over his yeah, apartment. He kicks this, all over his... This, <laughs> there's there's tchotchkes everywhere by the end of the scene. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he takes the old man. Uh, the old man gives him a pen that leaks, and it leaks on. It leaks all the newspaper to sporting uh, winners. I don't know about sports. He <laughs> does something with sports. <laughs> Did you so, notice the newspaper it dripped on? No. What was it? Oh wait, it's not that newspaper. It's the next newspaper that gets brought brought to him. It's the mm. same newspaper that. Uh, oh, in the second episode, the next episode, that the no, guy's in, using. In this episode, remember when after he picks the winners and then he gets his winnings and then he has the bellboy bring up the newspaper to his room. After all this, that newspaper is the same uh, newspaper from Time Enough at Last because it says H bomb capable of total destruction on the cover. It's the same. Oh wow! They, used. they just reused it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Oh no. Uh, so. Eventually, the pen runs out. He goes to the old man. He's like, give me something else, or I'll brain you. Or something to that effect. <laughs> I'll spill your guts right here. <laughs> and the old man's like, come on, you don't want to do this. He tries to talk him out of it. Instead, he's like, nah, give me something. So he gives him some leather-soled so shoes. He's like, I don't like these kinds of shoes. they all slippery. And the old man is like, well, that's what you're getting. I got a great idea, you guys. Slick shoes. Shoes? Are you crazy? And he's like, it's not for what you need, it's for what I need. And the old and the Renard's like, why you? And as he's crossing the street, he takes a little, uh, uh, he gets a little slippy. Slick shoes! And uh, a big car comes and just Peter Griffins him to the ground. It goes in fast motion. Like, he goes down so fast and hard. He gets plowed by a hit and run. And the old man says, well, when I first saw you in the bar... Mr. Renard, what I saw in your eyes at that bar was death. My death. You were going to kill me. So what was needed for Mr. Renard was slippery shoes. You or me, so what am I going to do? Then the police, as the police taking his body away, this couple, <laughs> this really haggard-looking couple, frazzled, come out. very frazzled, and, and just he's like, 
uh, come up to him. He's just like, what are you selling this? Pops it. He's like, oh, I got what you need. And, and it, it, he was lying because it wasn't a gun. Uh, <laughs> and he, gives the, he gives the guy a comb <laughs> and the newspaper. Men take a picture of him. And he's like, hey, oh, fix myself up. I'm going to be in the paper. And they're smiling right over the corpse of Renard. And uh, his mangled body in the middle yeah, of the his street. Mangled body. I loved that his shoes were left because it reminded me of the Daniel of the, uh, <laughs> the what's his name bit. So anybody see my shoes? Uh, I kicked them off in a fit the, of joy. The Daniel Tosh. No, it's not uh, I Daniel mean, Tosh. Dane uh, Cook. Dane Cook. Yeah, he had some funny bits. I don't care that that getting hit by the car bit's funny. And uh, credits, interest. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. There's a lot of great little like like writing prompts throughout it. It's like the, you know, just the pen and you can come up with like fun things, fun stories based upon those little interactions. Yeah. And the, 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 oh, the old man, Padat, is that how, how you say his name? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. Something like that. Padat, Padat. Padat. Uh, you, I mean, listen, that's, there's like a built in backstory with him that would be fascinating to explore. Yeah, they never give you a lot, but it's like this guy's seen some shit. Like he didn't come. You get it's really because of the performance is really strong and the writing that you get a sense like he may have had to learn not to use his powers in any kind of malicious way, the hard way. Mm -hmm. So there's there's some interesting things in this story, uh, written again by Serling, but from a short story by Lewis Paget, which is actually the pen name of. Henry Kuttner and C.L. Moore, married couple who wrote a bunch of stories. Uh, my favorite story, they wrote a story called uh, Mimsy Are the Boar Groves, which is uh, the title's taken from a quote from uh, the poem Jabberwocky, uh, mm. which was made into uh, The Last Mimsy, if you remember that. Remember that? that was, yeah, uh, I do remember uh, that. What was yeah, that? It's it like about a mouse 2000. or something. No, it's about well. The premise is is that there's these uh, people from like the far distant future send these like time packets back to the past. In the guy, and these packets contain things that resemble children's toys. I forget the exact reason why they're doing this, uh, but they never those things never come back to the present. They never go back to you know the future present. It's kind of a messed up story where these two kids discover it and they get really smart and then just say we're too smart for our family and then just go forward in time to be with the more evolved people and leave their poor parents to wonder what happened to their children. Uh, <laughs> made it to that. It was Last Mimsy, of course, didn't do that. It's like a big studio film. So it's like, you know, everybody learns a happy lesson and everybody's happy and nothing bad ever happens. Mm. Oh, I'm thinking I'm thinking of the, the secret of Nim. Oh, no. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. That's about a mouse. <laughs> yeah, that's about a mouse. <laughs> uh, it's also made into a French TV movie from 1970, which I somehow have seen. <laughs> I don't know how I've seen this, but I have. He also they also wrote a story called The Twonky, which was made into a feature film by Arch Obler. Arch Obler, who was a big pioneer of old time radio with his show Lights Out Everybody. Hmm. Uh, and uh directed by him. And it's it's funny that a big radio guy went and directed a feature film about TV because it's about how TV's evil and completely corrupting and gonna destroy civilization one day. It's actually hmm. a messed up story. It's about a TV that it starts it starts out by giving the person who got it everything it wants, like like granting wishes and shit. But then it starts demanding you do and say things a certain way. And then it just basically runs the person's life. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. He's like, fuck you, TV. <laughs> He's like, radio forever, <laughs> until it wasn't. Uh, 
so those are those writers uh, who wrote this story was already made into a teleplay. Uh, was already made into a teleplay by the show Tales of Tomorrow. So it had been adapted before. I'd actually like to check that out, that episode, if it, if it survives. Hmm. So, anything else? <laughs> I kind of thought this episode was a piece of poo. Really? really? The only thing I liked was the speech he gives him about what he actually needs. I thought that was very cool to be like, you need self-deprecation, not take yourself seriously. I didn't expect something that, I don't know, I don't want to say smart or random, but it was kind of like, oh, I didn't expect that kind of advice. Like, stop taking yourself seriously, because you never hear that. Excluding that, lots of poo. Really? That's interesting. Poo, 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 poo. Listen, this is a, it's the Twilight Zone. I gotta, I'm judging against these yeah. incredible stories. So if it's like, ah, eh, this is okay on my scale, it's just like, it's like a two or a three. Yeah. Compared to, because you got to think like the ones we've seen that were pretty good that are fives. This ain't, for me, this ain't even close. Same and it's what you said, Frank. It's like it felt familiar from two different stories. And the premise is like, it's like kind of supernatural ish. And it's a little goofy. And <laughs> yeah. It's like the stuff I liked is like unintentionally funny. Like I could tear this apart in funny ways. But like if I'm really just trying to be sincere, like what do I think about it? I thought it was pretty poopy. Mm. It's a middle of the road for me. Like I wouldn't go far that far. Like I've disliked other episodes more than this one. Like it was like it was it didn't overstay its welcome. I was glad to see Renard get hit by that car. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Uh, okay, it was fine. Like I didn't blow my mind. It didn't it did not blow the doors off of anything, but for a fun 25 minute bit of science fiction fantasy Cool. Yeah, the original story was more science fiction. That it had, uh, it was based on a machine that could tell the future, mm. but Serling replaced mm. it with the, with the street peddler. He likes those street peddlers for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah he really does. My kind Him of guy. Him and Judd. Him and Judd yeah. love yeah, the street guys peddler. are fucking all about yeah, it. Serling would have a good chat over a couple of oases. It's like the first street peddler was just like, oh, I make toys for kids. It's just like I give pricks doom. <laughs> yeah. like... And then there was the other one who sold uh, shooting potions. Right. Yeah, he gave you shooting potions. Yeah, it reminded me of those two episodes. Henry J. Fate. I think, yeah. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was like this was the, the turn for this one was, it's like, okay, it's like those two episodes, but the guy's a real piece of garbage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's nothing redeemable about this yeah, guy. Yeah, he's just a piece of shit. <laughs> He threatens he's the old a, man like multiple yeah, like a lot. Like, through the whole episode, he's just yeah. badgering immediately. His old man. Immediately, he's <laughs> just like, "Hey, so you got a bus ticket? Give me something that'll change my future, you old piece of shit, before I yeah. bring you." I kill you. Take it easy. Here's some yeah. scissors. Try not to run into them, young man. Yeah, that was brave of him to give the guy a fucking blade. It's like <laughs> this guy just threatened your life. You know, I'm gonna, let me give him a knife. Let me give him a gun and see what he does with it. I'm gonna find out where he lives. I'm kind of very great. easily. Information must have been it's very free Very simple. <laughs> also, how did since he saw the future, how did he not see that coming? Yeah. Maybe he did. He did. Maybe he did. Maybe I did. think he was yeah, this I think he was, he was playing the long game. He roped him in. He roped him in. He knew what he was, he knew doing. It was happening. 
Fam- yeah. he, he claims to not like to use that power, but he walks around town giving giving people right. what they need right. using that power. Well, I don't really care for using this, but he has yeah, everything. Just, but let I me just, just walk give, around to everywhere. I just, I just give Barflies second chances like willy-nilly, but I won't do anything for myself, you know. Yeah. You know what I loved in the bar? That the phone booth had no glass. And I the didn't actor, that. Yeah, there was no no glass in that. But when he went in, he was just speaking silently onto the phone, so you couldn't hear him. But it's like you could tell there's no glass. But that's well, what he Clegg had to do. probably destroyed it in the yeah. last episode. <laughs> oh yeah, Clegg. <laughs> Maybe he's in this. That'd be great if the rest of the series like running in. into different places, <laughs> like Big Jim Slade in Kentucky Fried Movie, just keeps showing oh, up, God. smashing through things, looking for Harrington. Dinsdale. Harrington. Yeah, I, I, I do wish it was a little goofier than it was, that I could have stuff to laugh at. Which in the next episode, no spoilers. Oh, was certainly that in spades, the next episode. Oh, yeah. The second oh, yeah. episode we watched was, uh, which you'll have to I'm wait not, next I'm, week I'm not, yeah, well, Next week, we'll talk about that one. Because <laughs> uh, Wackadoo City, that episode was. So apparently, two groups love the show right off the bat. This is when its ratings weren't great. The two groups were TV critics and children. Buck Houghton, the produ- who's a producer on the first three seasons, he said, quote, the appeal to children was a complete surprise to us. We never thought of that. I don't think CBS did either. It was on at 10 o'clock. We got a lot of nasty notes from parents saying, you're keeping our kids up. So kids were a driving force early on when the ratings weren't great. I could see that. I know my mom told me she used to watch this when she was a kid, and then she'd be, like, terrified. So yeah, 10 o'clock, I don't What's on TV hear. like this? Nothing at the time. Three shows debuted the same year. Bonanza, Untouchables, Dennis the Menace. Right. So this I mean, is there's, all, there's only so much you can watch Mr. Wilson get fucking Ajita. <laughs> I mean, oh, fucking... go away, Dennis. Yeah, right. Your house on fire clock. I've been saying that in my head for like two weeks now. No, it's not, Anthony. Is this the airport clock? Don't still throw me down, clock. That's my favorite thing. The follow-up is like just why thing. with that thought crosser? Why? <laughs> but she's cool. She's so calm about everything that's going Don't on. Don't throw me down, clock. <laughs> what do you mean? I'll try not to. I'll try not to. <laughs> try not to, Aunt Bethany. Yeah, um, I, I, this is a tough one to talk about because it's did so you move middle to of Florida. The road. <laughs> <laughs> is Rusty still in the Navy? Oh, God. <laughs> For so those of confused. you who want to know what that's from, tune into draft class, Christmas draft coming up. Hmm. People are excited for the Christmas draft. Oh, it's... Now listen to the Thanksgiving draft. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is going to be interesting. A lot of fun. So before the show airs, this is September of 59, right? So it's like on the cusp. Serling goes on this media blitz. This is an interview with Mike Wallace. Serling says, or Mike Wallace says to Serling, you're going to obviously be working so hard on the Twilight Zone that in essence, for the time being and for the foreseeable future, you've given up on writing anything important in television, right? Which is a condescending, shitty thing to say to anybody. Yeah, what a dickhead. So Serling keeps going on this media blitz, and this is to the Marion, Indiana Leader Tribune. He says, this is something I've wanted to do for years. Television hasn't hasn't touched it yet. Sure, there have been science fiction and fantasy shows before, but most of them were involved with gadgets or leprechauns. The Twilight Zone is about people. 
human beings involved in extraordinary circumstances and strange problems of their own or of fate's making. And then TV Guide, this is still in the media blitz. Serling says, here's what the program isn't. It's not a monster rally or a spool show. There will be nothing formula in it, nothing telegraphed, nothing so nostalgically familiar that an audience can usually join the actors in duets. I don't, I'm not here to fuck around, TV Guide. <laughs> Mike Wallace, what a dick. What a piece of shit, yeah, what Mike a Wallace. dick thing to say. Is he dead? I hope so. Good. <laughs> 59 is kind of out here. Yeah, he's got to. Yeah, he checked out long ago. <laughs> he got the leather sole shoes a long time ago. Like <laughs> shoes? Are you crazy? Someone who's a fan of a uh, fan of our work sent me uh, Rolling Stone. I know this is totally subjective, and it's like who cares? They sent me the uh, Rolling Stone top hundred TV shows of all time. Twilight Zone was twelve, and hmm. Fleabag. Which is a show I liked. I thought it was very good. Fleabag was six. Fleabag? I don't even know what that is. What is that? It's an Amazon Prime show. There's 12 episodes, half hour each. I'm sorry. And How can you fucking... in front of the Twilight Zone? That's what I'm saying. How many hours of content is the Twilight Zone? The show is six episode seasons, two, two seasons. That's just frustrating. Uh, I'm just, I don't even, I've never even heard of it. How could this be... How did it rank? What is it? Let's see. A British comedy. A British comedy. They fucking all the, t- the every TV journalists bow down in front of a. Uh, <laughs> it's like oh, it could probably it might be The Office. So let's uh, let's let's. Yeah, exactly. Let's praise it quick. Let's get out in front of it, so we could all mm-hmm. say, oh, "I told you that was going to be really great." But you know what? It got canceled. <laughs> so you're fucking wrong. Back of the line, flea bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Look what you've done. <laughs> I will go on a fucking letter writing campaign now to get this show just for everyone to hate it. It's already canceled. <laughs> Good. I, so my work is done. Good job, Chris. Another listener uh, sent on me an article a while back, uh, listener uh, Glenn Green. It's an article from Slash Film talking about what led him to pursue science fiction. It's funny, like. The Mike Wallace thing uh, reminded me of this is that it's like you're not going to do anything important in television, meaning that you're not going to like combat. Like, I think Mike, Mike Wallace was trying to say something like you're not going to combat real social issues. Well, what happened to Rod Serling was is when Emmett, the Emmett Till killing, which was a you know big thing that happened in the 50s, he wrote a, a story uh, inspired by that. That by the time it got to air, it was unrecognizable from what he had written because of all the censorship that he had to put up with, all like the pushback from like you know the standards and practice, uh, from audience people saying we don't want you know especially in the South like it was butchered because of the Southern contingent did not want anything like that might be smirch, the South. Wow, did it become like a soldier story, like yeah, full Americana? It, yeah, it essentially became like completely bastardized from what he had wanted. So yeah, yeah, he can't do the stories he wants. Un, un, he had to do these stories in the veil of science fiction because if he approached it head on, they wouldn't let it. So it's like it's well, well, Mister Mike Wallace, what the fuck do you <laughs> want me to do? Because I can't do it. I can't do it straight. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> Which is kind of where we are now with movies, right? That's why horror is so strong, because mm-hmm. if you just do this subject as like the poster, it's not going to sell or it'll be on like an obscure streaming service. But if you really want to say something, you got to put it in a specific genre and present it as that so it can actually sell. And that's why science fiction's always been good for that. It's like 
you know, it's just it's a good way to like smuggles things. Smuggled in the trunk over the border. Yeah. Did you know District Nine's about apartheid? You say that on every episode. <laughs> no, no, we don't do a podcast that that doesn't come up. Because it's annoying. <laughs> you know how many people would come up to me and tell me that? It's, you know what those people remind me of? I think he took his wallet. I think he took his wallet. They're that person. From Back to the Future too. You know his name, his real name's Mosley. I'm Mosley. <laughs> I'm just picturing like a random person coming up to you on the street <laughs> saying, Pass you know, by saying it. <laughs> Get away from me, mister. <laughs> Not another one of these. They're really just asking for the time and Frank's just hearing that. He's like, I know what it's about. <laughs> Some poor street vendor trying to give out water. Hey, guys, the guy's like, selling hot dogs. The guy's selling churros. <laughs> I know it's about a park dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, but people used to say that. Like I heard people like like you know, you'd be out and people say, like, you know, it's funny, that's movies about the park. Like, <laughs> Where are you going? That's true. Where are you going when those conversations happen? At a cocktail party. <laughs> I was young. I go to young <laughs> I went to... Somebody's clicking a glass. Excuse me, and all gathered. Did you know Chick died about a five time? <laughs> Attention, everyone. You know why we're here tonight. So I can let you know. I have I an know. announcement. I have an announcement. I know that you know that I know that it's about a party. <laughs> oh, no, so I did fun. go to young people parties at one point. <laughs> and that was a popular movie at that time. <laughs> that drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it really bugs me. How many was it? Twenty years later, I'm still fucking complaining about that. It's like Spider-Man Two. This is the best superhero movie ever. He delivers pizza. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, that was obnoxious. It was like that. It was like every idiot. Yeah, I was at a lot of parties where they brought that up. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Yeah, well, now that you go to a Spider-Man pizza party <laughs> again. <laughs> Yo, Rob's hosted on District Nine is about a part-time party up the street. We should go hit that. They got a keg. Uh-huh. Oh, it hurts to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very bothersome. Like this episode. <sighs> Oh, oh man! <laughs> what do we rate it? What's the rating? I, I like six. I like six because I I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. I did nah, like it. I, I want to give it a seven, but I'm not. I give everything six. a seven. That seems to be the the only number I give out. Six, yeah, it was it was fine. I, I'll give I, a, it. I'll give it didn't six. Didn't blow the doors off the joint, but yeah, you know, it didn't bother me. It was just I like their performances were really good. Yeah. yeah. Goddamn bartender. <laughs> oh, that bartender fucking irked me. Hey, say, Mac, did you know District 9 is about a point? <laughs> That's the only way. <laughs> oh, Quick, give him some shoes.
And now, Mr. Serling. Next week on The Twilight Zone, one of the most bizarre and unusual tales we've told yet. One man with four faces. Four separate and adventuresome lives that must be seen to be believed. Harry Towns, Philip Pine, Ross Martin, and Don Gordon star in The Four of Us Are Dying. This is a story designed for goosebumps. I hope we'll see you next week. Good night.